Good to be here again this morning. I praise the Lord that he's privileged me to come back. Though I must be frank with you that I rather overdid it last week. Despite all the warnings of the doctors, I forget. And uh, so you will go along with me this morning if I'm a little gentle as I speak to your hearts. I'm going to use the microphone as much as possible. You know, it's very hard, and I, uh, I think we all know this possibly, but it's very hard when you've been used to a certain type ministry and a certain type life, a certain type pace of life, to suddenly cut it down. And uh, though the doctors have told me, and not just one, two or three of them, that I have to reorient my life and operate it differently. It will never change the content of my message. But to reorient it uh, to my age, which I am, have a great secret, and realize that uh, the Lord took his disciples apart in their weariness to a mountain apart that they might be with him, might rest with him. For there are physical limitations which we have to observe. And so this morning as I speak to you, I trust you will remember that. I couldn't help Claudia but think of Paul and uh, tell him to be careful. I have been after Steve Rowland to tell him to be careful. <clears throat> For there is a time, I mean, when we have to realize that God is speaking to us in a certain way. And so this morning as I speak to you, if I do not uh, run around the platform, <coughs> you will understand. I have two arms which can hold me up. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to the psalm that we read this morning. And I'm going to go back to the portion again that I was in last week. I don't know whether you realize it, but the psalms are really prayers. You will notice that it's always speaking in the sense of a prayer. Just look at it. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord. It would be the way we would speak in a prayer. And so the Psalms are really one magnificent prayer to God from a servant's heart. And uh, for my own satisfaction, and I will walk out, for my own satisfaction and my own joy in the Lord, I wanted to see exactly what the Word of God had to say, in this psalm especially, concerning the Word. 
and it thrilled and amazed me. Now, I don't know, you read that this morning, uh, as you read with Ernie, <coughs> pardon me, as you read with Ernie there, I'll just have a little water. Notice the 73rd verse. You remember last week when we read the one previous to where I'm in, 65 to 72 is what I'm talking about. But last week we read 57 to 64, and I showed you how uh, in the 57th verse, notice the last two words, thy words. 58th verse, thy word, last two words. The 59th verse, thy testimonies. 60th verse, thy commandments. This is all the word of God. You can take all these words, commandments, statutes, precepts, judgments, the word, testimonies, all of these are all the word of God. Then the 61st verse, thy law. 62nd, thy judgments. 63rd, thy precepts. 64th, thy statutes. Go down to the 73rd, because it would be the same in the one I'm in. Uh, thy commandments, last two words. Last two words, the 74th verse, thy word. Thy judgment, 75th verse. Thy word, 76th verse. 77th verse, thy law is my delight. 78th, thy precepts. 79th, thy testimonies. 80th, thy statutes. Notice it's all the word of God. He's asking them to look at this and to see that it is completely the word of God by which we go. We have no other textbook. It's the precepts, the commandments, the law, the judgments. Everything is involved, you see. And so I, I for my own edification, went back to the first verse of the 119th Psalm and every single verse does the same thing. In every single verse, the word of God is mentioned. Now, this should be to us a tremendous truth. For we are only here today because of the scriptures. You are only here this morning because of the Bible. We have no other textbook. There's nothing else we use. You know, sometimes we have been accused and especially by the Roman church, although not quite as much as before. But we were originally accused by the Roman church of being Bible worshipers. Now, I, I want to say frankly that this has tempered down greatly. I have to say this. And in connection with this, and I am not now, get, get this very clear. I am not an ecumenicist where that ecumenicalism would bring together an altar with the word of God. We have no altar. The scripture is very clear on that. That which separates us from the Roman church. It's not a matter of just joining forces. You will notice that those who desire to join with the Roman church, most of them have altars. And those that don't have altars have nothing else so that it would make little difference to them whether they joined the Roman church. But we do not have an altar because all sacrifices are past. The one sacrifice of Christ 
upon the cross of Calvary was complete for us all. And there remaineth no longer, God says, any sacrifice for sin. For, Hebrews says, for by one offering he hath made perfect forever them that are sanctified, separated unto him. So there are no more offerings. But I want to say this and make this very clear. While there was a time when the Roman church did charge us with being Bible worshipers, I have to say this at the present moment. There is more of an inclination for Roman priests to get back to some of their Bible for the first time. You know, I think I've mentioned this before, but it's quite an amazing thing that, you know, I've been here 20 years now, and uh, years ago, when I used to meet uh, the priest in town, the Roman Catholic priest, they knew I was a Roman Catholic altar boy. Uh, they knew that I had a background of Romanism. They had offered me forgiveness if I would come back into their church, even allow me to bring my wife if I wanted to. But it's an amazing thing that has happened with them. The uh, one of the priests up there, whose name is Singleton, who has just taken another pastorate, came to me only about a year ago. And he said to me, Martin, he said, isn't it an amazing thing that I always thought you were a heretic until now? And now I've been told by the Pope that you're a separated brother. The other day, last week speaking of the Word of God, the man across the street from me, a lieutenant in the Nassau Police Department, just retired, who had been over to see me a few times at my home, he lives directly across, to sympathize with me in my own illness, and uh, looked like a man who'd probably go on and on and on and on, you know. Well, the other day, he died of a heart attack. <clears throat> he and I had been friends for 30 years. They had a service for him in the Catholic Church. I went that I might go and pay my respects to his wife, whom I love very much, and we have over the years known her. And I was quite thrilled and amazed at the priest who brought the message. A young man. I don't think he was more than 25. I was thrilled. Nothing was in Latin. <clears throat> and he spoke on the great resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, and told how we'd have glorified bodies fashioned like unto the body of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing to my heart to even hear this. And yet, with all this, the shocking thing is this, that I could go into a Protestant service sometimes where they are having the service and hear nothing of the gospel of Christ. 
And here I go in and I hear a message from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they no longer regard us as Bible worshipers. Oh, there's a great gulf there. There never can be a coming together until first that one offering by Christ forever is accepted and there's no more tendency to the worship of saints and angels and people and Mary, who we revere with all our hearts as Jesus' mother, but no worship, all worship only to Jesus and him alone. I often have felt like Paul. Do you think that when Paul became a Christian, he hated the Jews? All you have to do is read the 10th to 12th chapters of Romans to see how he felt about the Jews. The 9th to the 11th chapters of Romans. And where he says, my desire for Israel, my brethren, is that they might be saved. And so I, as a former Roman Catholic, oh, how I would yearn that so many would come to Christ and find him as personal Savior. It thrilled my heart that the lieutenant had said to his wife, the nicest visit I ever had in a hospital was from our dear friend who was a Baptist minister and prayed for me. So, beloved, there is this power of the Word of God. I'm thankful, Paul says, and, oh, beloved, let us remember this. We're so apt, I get so upset sometimes by people who are merely living on the criticizing of others especially in our Protestant fold where we love the Lord Jesus, our fundamental group, our evangelistic group. Oh, it breaks my heart that there is such criticism of Billy Graham. Billy Graham isn't all right. Everything he does isn't perfect, but what evangelist has ever been? Billy Sunday was criticized. Moody was criticized as an ignoramus. Down through the years, all these men were criticized. But, oh, I can never forget Paul's words. He said, I thank my God that Christ is preached in every way. Some of strife, some of envy of me. But nevertheless, he said, I thank my God that Christ is preached. Oh, how important this is. Would to God the church of Jesus Christ was on its knees before its God praying for these men who really, like a Billy Graham and others in the evangelistic field, I think of Vance Havner and the criticism has been heaped upon him. I think of Jack Wurtson now and how critic criticism has been heaped upon him by those that I felt for so many years were so close to us and who desired nothing but that the word of God should go forth in great power and now they have become super critical so that unless you believe exactly to the line and to every little thing that they think and believe you cannot have fellowship with them. I would remind you that the basis of our fellowship together is the blood of Jesus Christ and that alone. No other base but the blood of Jesus Christ 
There's no other thing that draws, <clears throat> pardon me, that draws us together but the blood of Jesus Christ. And I don't care much whether a man's a Methodist or a Presbyterian or anything else if he will consent that the blood of Christ is the only means of cleansing from sin and Christ is virgin born, risen from the dead and coming again. Oh, how important this is. This word of God that this psalm mentions so much is so blessed. Thy testimonies, Lord, thy word, thy precepts, thy statutes, we believe only according to the word of God. And I will never cease to pray for Roman Catholics and Jews that they come to the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. It's only a breath away to come to Christ as personal Savior and to have the full joy of the Lord in his presence. Oh, it disturbed me. You know, I hear a good, good message taken from 1 Corinthians 15 and the priest even comes down to the end and then says, and the Lord Jesus is coming back soon for his own. But oh, how my heart broke when then they take the incense over the coffin and sprinkle the holy water and go through all the elements of the world which have nothing to do with the glory of Christ and here with a message that thrills my heart. Do you, can you do that? You know, I can go to any kind of a funeral service and as long as I read the Word of God, I can get a blessing. As long as I read the Word of God, that's the main thing. I can get a blessing. But then to see all of the pagan things mixed in. Oh, God help us to be good witnesses for Jesus Christ of his saving grace. You may have wondered why I brought this up. The reason for it is because of what the word of God means. Now, I had the privilege in the hospital, I mentioned it Wednesday night, of using the word of God with a man in the bed next to me. It was an unusual privilege. He was a Roman Catholic. And when I went in to the hospital, they called me, you know how they do it in the hospital, they called me at one o'clock and said, can you be here at two? I said, you're fooling. They said, no, you've got to be here at two, otherwise the bed will go. We've got 30 more waiting after you. I said, I'll take it. packed my bag. Believe it or not, Alice had the car. She was up in the supermarket. I had to call her in the supermarket and say, get home, you've got to get me over to the hospital. Packed my bag and got over there and they put me in this room. Uh, they, the man that I was put in with was the most seriously ill man on the floor. Cancer, 58 years of age. And uh, as I was looked over at him and uh, introduced myself to him and then had the opportunity of beginning to talk to him about Christ. Uh, during that first night, his pains were tremendous. I didn't sleep much. I tried to help him. It's uh, this way on the floors of the hospitals. There aren't 
many nurses on at night and he needed attention and so I would get up and go down and ask the nurse could she please come up then the next morning when the doctor came in <clears throat> he asked me he said now I realize we put you in a bed with a man who's extremely ill in the same room he said would you like us to move you out to another room now, I mentioned this at prayer meeting, but I'm going to mention it again because it's very important. I said, no. I want you to leave me in this room with this man because this man needs me more than anyone else on this floor. And so I stayed in the room with him. I had the glorious opportunity. I asked him, I said, would you mind if I read the Bible to you? He looked at me, kind of shocked, you know. I said, no, I, I wouldn't. So, of course, what do I get out? John 3, Romans 3, Romans 6. I had many opportunities after this to read the scriptures to him. I just come over to the foot of his bed, you know. Say, now, Gil, I'm going to open the Bible and I'm going to read it to you again. And I want you to notice, and then I would, you know, bring a little message at the bed and tell him what it meant, what it meant to be born again, how to know Christ as your personal Savior. His wife had told me that though he was a Roman Catholic, he had done nothing for years concerning his Romanism. And she had said to me, the family's worried about him. But the family wasn't worried the way I was. The family was worried because it wasn't going to the Roman church. I was worried because he didn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ, you see. And so I had that opportunity of speaking to him about our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the reason I say this is because here, this is what this man's work is. This, he does, this is all done by hand copy of the Gutenberg Bible. He is the only man, he does it for the Pope. The copies of this Bible, see, they, they take the original Gutenberg, it can't be photographed because it's no useless. But he has to do all this by hand. <coughs> Beautiful work, he's Italian. He's the last one left. There are none others now. And this Bible, here he's been doing this work, printing it. After he does his first original print, then copies are made. The cost of this Bible, what's the most that anybody here ever paid for a Bible, if I might? Did anyone ever pay? Uh, may I say this? I remember a few salesmen who toured around one time that I didn't know. Do you remember? I never met them in my life, and they were going to people and saying, we're a friend of past again. It's hard to believe. I finally had to call him up and say, I understand you're my friend. I've never met you. <laughs> but as I remember, many of you subscribed to Bibles from that chap uh, and paid maybe 40 to 45 to $50 for a family Bible. Nothing wrong with the Bible. It's just the method it was used in selling. This Bible 
here that he does, have you any idea what it cost? $1,800 is the price of one Bible. It's two volumes. It's the original Gutenberg Bible. He had his wife bring this over to me this week just to show me a sheet. A sheet of it runs around $25. But this is the Gutenberg Bible. But the amazing thing is this. Here is a man who prints all the Salvation Army. He's a bookbinder. Does all Salvation Army hymnals. This is his lower work. Does all of the Catholic missals. He does all this work and no one ever read him John 3 to his heart. So you can print the Bible. You can bind the Bible. You can do a lot of things with the Bible. But unless that word of God has been applied to your heart by the Holy Spirit, you can have it on your shelf. I don't care what you do with it. A lot of people, I believe a lot of Bibles are no more than good look good luck tokens for the home. And someone hopes that maybe having a Bible on a shelf has some magical formula to keep sickness and illness away from the home, much like a Roman, like I did when I was a young fella, used to wear a scapular around my neck. I don't know if you know what a scapular is. And also a little metal to protect me every time I jumped into the salt water. And I hate to say it, but I believe that there are many Bibles that mean absolutely no more than that. That they are some little charm. They are read so little and they've gathered so much dust that they mean absolutely nothing. And so I had the great joy of leading this man to Christ. I visited him since. He calls me pastor. I read the scriptures to him. Now, how did I first get his confidence? Very simple, and I think this is a good lesson for all of us. I first got him to love me. I got him to love me because I tended to his care. Number two, he was wide awake when the doctor stood near my bed and said to me, you're with the sickest man in the hospital. I think sometimes doctors are very, very <coughs> difficult. He's listening. You're with the sickest man in the hospital. Would you like us to move you? And he heard what I had to say. If I'm with the sickest man in the hospital, I want to be here with him. Secondly, when I went in the hospital, they gave me free television and free telephone service. <laughs> Here's the thing I want to say. <clears throat> I was glad I could use a telephone. But I never turned on the television set in the nine days I was there because in my gentle speaking with him, I said to him, Gil, would you like to hear the television? And he said, really, I'm so sick. It, it just disturbs me. And I said, I'll not turn it on at all. All this man wanted to know was how much I loved him. 
He couldn't believe it. He told his, told his wife, you know, when she came in. Can you imagine? He has television for nothing, two and a half dollars a day. When I think of that compared to the court, do you know what a hospital costs? Semi-private room, $67 a day. And that's not the highest priced hospital. There are ones in New York that cost about $160 a day. But just the thought that having it free and being able to use it all I wanted, let me tell you, I don't know how every other room around me, all the television sets are blaring. I don't know how anybody would ever get well if they needed rest. Sound like confusion in the hall. But our room, we shut the door and it was a little sanctuary of God. And there I could pray with him and there I could witness to him about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, I got sleep every night. God put me to sleep every evening and gave me sufficient rest. I said, now, Lord, you know, I, I couldn't possibly rest with all the groanings and all his need for needles. Give me enough rest. And the Lord gave me enough rest. And when I left, he said to me, I wish you could stay with me. Well, no words ever sounded sweeter to my ears because I knew what he was saying. I've accepted your Savior because I found love from your heart. So, beloved, there must always be the mixture of love from the heart when we yearn for people to come to Christ the Savior. This glorious word of God, oh, how blessed it is, this here, this is Latin. <laughs> but oh, how precious to know. How were you saved? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the, what? Word of God. How were you born again, Peter? Being born again of the incorruptible seed of the, what? Word of God. How do you know that you're headed for glory? The Word of God. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there ye may be also. And if I go, I will come and receive you to myself. How do you know that there'll be no more pain, no more tears, no more crying, no more sorrow? The Word of God. I'll speak more about these things, but the Word of God is the key of our salvation. Oh, how blessed. We don't need any other textbook. I don't need any higher criticism because the Holy Ghost now dwells in my heart, that Holy Spirit, and no one can criticize him. Whosoever blasphemes the Holy Ghost, that man, it were better he had never lived. And oh, how blessed it is to us. The Holy Spirit, gift to us because the Word of God said so. If I go away, I will give you my Spirit and he will abide with you forever. 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 Do you love him? this glorious Savior of our souls. Hmm? 
through your love him. The word of God is our textbook, but oh, beloved, is the source of all life because in Christ only is there eternal life. All other religious leaders have died and been buried and wrapped in their grave clothes, but this Jesus laid aside the grave clothes, arose from the dead so we can know eternal life is in him. You have no other answers but Christ in him alone. No others. Let us pray. Now, gracious Father, we do thank thee for thy precious word. So blessed it is, this word of God. Oh, so much to be said about it. Father, we're so thankful that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That the new birth comes through the word of God. That Jesus identifies himself as the very word of God. We remember that in the Gospel of John tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and came and tabernacled amongst us. O Lord Jesus, how we thank thee for thy death on the cross of Calvary. The wages of my sin and the sins of this people all put upon thee. We're so thankful the penalty of death has been paid. And we remember that thy word says, if when we were sinners we were saved through his death, how much more now as the children of God shall we be kept through his risen life. Oh, so thankful are we. Lord, it may be that someone here this morning tenderly wants to say, Pastor, pray for me. Every eye closed. No one looking around. Pastor, pray for me. Just pray for me. I want Jesus so deeply in my heart. I want him as my Savior. Here's my hand, Pastor. Pray for me. Every eye closed. No one looking around. Anywhere, just put your hand up. Pastor, pray for me. I want the love of Christ for me. Just put it high, young person. Just put it up so I can see it anywhere. Quickly now. Oh, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. If you're thinking I should put it up, put it up now. I won't call you down front. I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Anywhere? Quickly. Just a moment. Yes, I see your hand up there. Praise the Lord, son. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Put it high to join this one who just raised their hand for Christ. I'll not call you forward. Yes, I see your hand down here. Lord bless you. Praise God. Just the love of Christ. You can put your hand down, both of you. Yes, I see your hand over there. Lord bless you. Praise God. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand here. Praise the Lord. Oh, the Lord is gracious. Anyone else? Quickly. Yes, I see your hand up there in the balcony. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Quickly, hand up high. Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Yes, I see your hand outside there. Yes, praise the Lord. You put your hands down after you raise them. Anyone else? Quickly, hand up. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Oh, join all these. 
who have said, yes, I want Jesus oh so deeply in my heart. Anyone else? Just before I close, so many have raised their hand. What an opportunity this morning to come to Jesus amongst all those that love you in the Lord. Anyone else? Just one moment and I close. Quickly. Are you hesitating? Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Make this the day of decision. Anyone else? Just one moment. One moment more. Balcony. Anyone? Young fellow, mother, father, grandmother, grandfather. Anyone else? Quickly. Down here on the first floor in the sanctuary. Anyone? Quickly. Quickly. Oh, gracious Father, how we praise thee for all these that raise their hands for Jesus Christ. But Lord, the big thing is the raising of the heart. We remember thy word which tells us, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Father, we just pray thy blessing upon each one. And we ask thee that even now, Lord, you would feed their hearts upon that living bread, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, bring real joy to the life. Even where there's been happiness, now there can be joy, joy in the Lord and the power of his might in their lives. So, Father, bless them and undertake for every need that they have in these coming days. Strengthen them in the battle of life, for life is a battle. Strengthen them in Jesus Christ. We pray in his blessed name. Amen.